Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to PM Mood, the no talking points, no bullshit podcast that takes you behind the curtain, off the red carpet and to the front lines of progress with change makers and innovators that are doing the work to shift our culture and expand our social impact. I am so excited to welcome to PM Mood Danelle Rawlings, who is an American comedian. He is an actor. He is the host of the Danelle Rawlings Show. You recently <coughs> made some comments, right, that TMZ got in an interview. People kind of came for you, I guess, on social media in some way, because we all have a lot of time on our hands, about yeah. making jokes about COVID-19, about the coronavirus. And I thought that your comments and response were really good. What do you think the role is of comedy in this current moment? First off, I'll tell you two things people come for. When you mm -hmm. say they came for me, they come for two things. They come for the actual content and what you talked about. Then they also come for clickbait. You know what I mean? So in the situation with the TMZ interview, you're a journalist. You know they're always going to have a headline that's like gets people excited. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the minute you say, well, Donnell Rollins is doing COVID-19 jokes before even people even listen to what I said. Like, oh, I can't believe it. It's not the time for that. You know, yep. and the point I was making with that TMZ, and they were pretty fair to me. I have to say that the point I was making with that was that this is the toughest time for a person of my profession. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, a comedian has been doing it for 25 years. You just, you just can't just change jobs. Right. You know, right. you yeah. got, you can't just be like, you know what? Uh, I think I'm going to be a stockbroker tomorrow, especially when you've been doing it for a while. <laughs> you used to make a certain amount of money. So like, we got to continue what our job is. And in that statement to TMZ, I say, this is the toughest time, but this is a job that's needed. I'm not comparing it to first responders. I'm not comparing it to nurses, doctors, anything like that. But it's a job that's needed because it is a dark time. People are frustrated. People are depressed. You know, people don't know what's going to be the next step. And with all of that, mm -hmm. and with all the chaos, sometimes, you know, humor can either brighten your day or at least remove you from that worry, even if it's for 10 minutes, even if it's 45 minutes, even if it's for like 
an hour. Mm -hmm. And me and my job, like there's one thing when somebody uh, wants to laugh, there's another thing when someone needs to laugh. Yeah. And personally, some of the best condoms I ever had is like, it's some tough situations where people are coming to me and they're like, man, I hadn't been out in two weeks. I just lost my aunt. Mm. You know, I just got this news. It was bad news after bad news. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad I came out because you helped me move away from that, not forever, for that moment. But some people don't know how to, and I don't say everything's a joke. Some people don't know how to digest an observation. That's the word that you used that I thought was so good. It was like you're saying, no, because comedy, right, is about observations of your life, right? The observations that you're having the, about the life that's unfolding around you. I've, I've comics that, that have that style observational. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm not making a joke about that, but this is something that happened to me today. This is real. This is what I heard. And all I'm doing is sharing it with you, you know, and people don't understand that they like to say they just like, oh, that was a joke. No, it wasn't a joke. It was an observation. I had a, I had a funny undertone. That's what I do. And I think that's what some of the dope comedians do. People that listen probably know my relationship with Dave Chappelle. But right at the time when everything was hot about the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. uh, Harvey Weinstein, mm -hmm. and all these things. And Dave said, you know, to the audience at the Improv one night, he said, you know, comedians, you got to grab your sack. I don't know what who listens to this. You know, you got to grab your stuff. You can, okay. you can say what you want to say. Okay, you got to <laughs> grab your balls. He said, this is what he said. And I quoted, sometimes, you know, comedians, it's time to grab your balls because it's our job to make fun of the things that are troubling the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's what comedians do. Comedians take you from one place to the next place. And we're not prophets. We're not activists. We're just people that's trying to extend what we think our brand of humor is to you so you can enjoy it. And at the end of the day, this is the thing that always concerns me is that you can choose to listen to whoever you want to listen to. Right. You can turn it off. Right, you like you can, you can go to the you can go to the next podcast, you can go to the next YouTube show, you can go to the next IG live if what is being said isn't to your liking. You know, I said, and this is not a joke, but this is what I'm finding out is like now people are so in touch with picking their phone up now. Mm -hmm. Remember before the uh, Corona, it was like voicemail, voicemail, what? voicemail, <laughs> voicemail, yep. and the only people that left voicemail messages was your parents, and parents are always like, "Hey, baby." This mom, I'm like, as soon as I heard that voice that I've been hearing my whole life, I know that. But now, like, you catch that phone. My phone rang the second ring. I'm like, hey, what's hey. up? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the Rona call. I didn't want this to be the Rona call. Some people would think that's insensitive. That's just poking fun at a situation that exists. And me, as being an entertainer, and I've had this, you know, Donald Trump has put out a Small Business Association stimulus package. Mm -hmm. But you got the Brownsville, Brooklyn stimulus package. You got to be ready for it, too. And that is whoever in the family makes the most money they can expect for them phone calls to come in. They yeah, come I know in. that's right. Yep. And then they coming in like this. People are really trying to set the conversation. They start the conversation like, hello? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> they like, uh-huh. And you like, you all right? And then they be like this. Oh, no, man. Oh, no. I'm just trying to, uh, uh -huh. Oh, I'm telling you, the one thing, and I've said this on a couple of platforms before, mm -hmm. and this goes for the people that, like, I call it people that really fuck with God. Yeah. You know, the ones that pray all the time, and they go for God when they're in need. You know what I mean? I don't really hear too many of these super pray people talk about it too much unless it's time for a prayer. You know? And I mm -hmm. say, if you believe in it, if everybody's praying 
for us to get through this and everybody's going to say a prayer for you whatever. and you understand it's God's will and you understand that God is going to correct this he's going to see us through it you also have to take consideration that part of the reason we're in this because God decided that it was probably time for a check so if you want to <laughs> oh shit it's, a, it's like a check okay so God, real, God realized that he that people needed money and this was the only way the government would do it no not that that God realizes that some people are taking things for granted yes. some people are taking life for granted some people are taking family for granted. Some people are taking relationships for granted. Some people are taking money for granted, mm -hmm. you know? And then what happens when people take things for granted, they keep on, keep on, keep on until something pops where they have to put things in perspective. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that he wished this on anybody, but it's going to be a chin check on all areas in all aspects of life. Some of the preventive measures that mm -hmm. people are taking to prevent themselves from getting COVID, those same preventive measures will stop a lot of things from coming your way. A lot of viruses. You know what I'm saying? Like, for a year, how long did we laugh? I'm, I'm in the airport every other week. I straight up laughed at them Chinese dudes. With like, the mask on. Yo, With I'm the like, mask on. On the subway, I did the same yeah. thing. I'm like, oh, they're, these people, they're just overreacting. Like, the subway is fine. Lo and behold. And I, and I was like this. Oh, they, I like them Chinese people. They don't want to get me now. They're like, no, I don't want to get nothing from you. But, 100%. And as much as people want to, everybody is talking about, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. Things like this don't happen to go back to a normal. These things like this happen to create a new normal. And the new normal is going to not let somebody be up on you so close. What do you, you think, know? though, that the new normal is going to be for your entire industry? Because I would assume, as a comedian, as an entertainer, you do stand-up, <laughs> you get your energy, you get your content from yes. actually being around people. Yeah. What do you see as some alterations, whether they be good, right? Positive, like, oh, I could see some positive things, more online stuff, more ways for people to break into the industry. But what are some things that wouldn't necessarily be so good? Live performances. And like, this is like, for me, this is, I'm telling you, when I say perspectives and changes, my way of thinking, I've been, people call me a road rat. Mm. All my money, 90% of the money that I make is through live performances. I don't make, although I get small parts in movies and TV stuff, it wouldn't come close to supporting my family and the you know, lifestyle that I lead. But it's making me shift my thoughts mm -hmm. on how to make money. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny, me being an older comic, and I don't have this issue, but a lot of older comedians, like, they despise, like, the word internet comedian, to <laughs> them, it's like, ah, they corny, they on the internet, they make jokes on the internet, internet. Now them little young millennials are looking at them old dudes like, Whoa. Oh, yeah, exactly. We had a head start. Look at you now. Yeah, got a head start. But it's putting things in perspective. And as though, like, right now, I'm really an unemployed comedian, as we speak. Mm. If you look at it, and I got some more news today that I don't know how factual it is, is that they don't expect like major live concerts until like fall of 2021. I saw that the Shade Room announced it. I don't know where the actual. Uh... But that's right. It was one writer from Pennsylvania. So it's somebody that found some clickbait words to get people like worried or whatever. But with that said, like right now, everybody's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? They don't anticipate this like loosening up for a while or at least three months. So me personally, like I'm going hard with my production, different things that I try to involve myself with. I'm really putting my foot into the podcast world. I was lucky enough to start three months ago. And since I started with a hundred subscribers, I'm up to 30,000 subscribers, but I see how that could possibly give me 
some monetary compensation like really soon. Right. Where I would put the energy on live performances because it was easy. Now I got to figure out what do you do now? I can't quit. What this is showing us, right? This entire global pandemic is the ways in which one, certain industries need to innovate right? Like what does forced innovation look like? I love to come up with ideas and new concepts and new shows and all of these things, but this is a sense of forced innovation. You know, it's so funny you said it because I had a conversation with this going to be a business partner of mine in, in terms of entering the cosmetic world or whatever. And then like when I was talking to her, I talked for like 20 minutes, right? And that once that conversation did I hear, huh, what am I going to do? Oh, this is crazy. Nobody wants to buy anything, everything. It was all positive. You know what I mean? Mm. It was all like, what's the next thing to do? And I told her, I said, maybe I'm weird, but through this pandemic, I got a burst of ideas. I feel more creative. I feel more inspired. I feel more motivated. I know part of that is because I'm forced to do it. But when things like this happen, you know, some people come out winning in a situation like yes. this. Yep. Some people say, okay, I figured it out. You know, some people like, I know I've been a good stand-up comic for most part of my career. I didn't have to force myself to be a good entrepreneur. Anybody say they're an entrepreneur. You get your first business card. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the CEO of nothing. You know what I'm saying? But now... Oh, so you've seen my older business cards. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember when I got my first business card. I put vice president, share owner. I put on type. And I couldn't wait to give out them goddamn going, um, them business cards. Oh, yeah. But now it's like... And I've always had an entrepreneur spirit, mm-hmm. but never was forced to exercise it like with the sense of urgency that I have right now. And it's not desperate. It's like this, yo, you could do this, but you haven't been doing it because you've been lucky enough to have a full calendar. Like right. I've had a full calendar. So, you know, I didn't know I was taking advantage. I was like, man, I'm good. I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh, I got three weekends I'm working. Two weekends is work. and never thought about anything. And this is going to teach me like, what happens if something like this happens again? What am I going to do? What am I going to do for my family? And it's making me creative. And as they say on the street, I'm on a nut right now on how I can really show Donnell Rollins the business person. And is it, do you feel like, are you in a comedic circle and set where you offer advice because you've been in the game so long? Like, are there comics right now that you know you know, but they may not be as seasoned as you are that are thinking about giving up and, you know, just throwing their hands up because they don't know where their place is. Yeah, those type of people aren't my friend. And those people that think about giving up, my advice would be to them is to give up. Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because this business is a tough business. You know what I'm saying? This business is probably 75% of your career being broke at 25% where it makes sense to you. This business is filled with no's. This business is you're not good enough. You're too old. You're not funny anymore. You're not relevant. It's all that. So if you can't weather the storm of any of that, it's not a good business to be in. There's a young guy. I don't really try to mentor comics. I just try to mm-hmm. lead by example. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I, I did that in the past and it comes down to you help somebody and you see them get success and you see them get popularity, you see them get money, whatever. And a lot of times they don't even say thank you. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times they just take for granted which where they like. When you do that, you don't do it for people to say that to you. But at the same time, it feels good. You know what I mean? It feels good when somebody says, you appreciate you in my life. It feels good. Everybody want to get it. So I kind of fall back on it. I give you a quick example, especially when it comes to youngins nowadays. A couple of years ago, you know, like in the business, like if you have a roster of clients, you barter stuff. So mm-hmm. my manager had this young comic on his roster. He wanted me to let him open for me. And I said, okay. And the young dude was like, I think he's more of an actor than a comedian. But he was like, he was all happy. He was like, Donnell, OG, go. Go is a new word for old. Right. OG, 
goats and legends. No. Like, oh, nigga, you old ass. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Come on, come on. Yo, when they hit you with the double, <laughs> this dude called me an OG goat legend. I was like, am I about to die, son? Right? <laughs> he said, goat. He said, what up, goat? OG legend. He said, if you could give a young comic one piece of advice, what would it be? And he's looking at me like this. This is going to change my life, right? Uh. And I said, don't ask for advice. There's no shortcuts. Everything that you're going to learn in stand-up is going to come from doing stand-up. Let the microphone be your teacher, right? He was like this, OG legend, man. Thank you, man. I hear you, right? A year later, same comedian, same comedy club, comes up to me after his show and says, I couldn't believe this what the fuck he was about. He said, hey, OG legend, if you had one piece of advice no. to give a young comic coming up, what would it be? I said, you don't listen to advice. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, but that's someone that they don't really want the advice. They just want to just be a part of that comic. Just want to be able to say, yeah, I asked them this. You know what I mean? I'm going to put this on my resume. And at the end of the day, specific to my profession, you get good by doing it. It's like a muscle memory. Mm -hmm. You know, like the more you do it, the more you can retain it, the more things are easy for you, the more comfortable you are dealing with the hecklers, the more comfortable you are coming up with materials, the more comfortable you are when a joke is not working, not panicking and staying in the pocket till you get them back. It's really no way to teach that. That's learned behavior and that's experience. And that's what a lot of people try to duck is experience. I think that they try and duck the learning just in general, right? Like if you can skate on somebody else's coattails if you can skate on everybody else's coattails right then you don't have to get find your own coat but everybody and you know what i'm not mad at a shortcut everybody wants the shortcut but you have to be able to listen to wisdom to understand a shortcut you know what i mean okay take your shortcuts but mentally be prepared for the long run i've been doing this for 26 years right and people come up to me all the time and they're like man they always compare me to somebody else Mm -hmm. And they compare it like, man, so-and-so ain't that funny. You should be so-and-so. Man, I don't know why that person got that job. You should have that job. You know what I'm saying? And I never rush it. I never, when I was younger, and I was just like, you right, that nigga ain't funny. Right? <laughs> then I was like, this, yep. I said to myself, that, that's not helping you. Yep. You wasting energy on that, that's not helping you. And I say that I always look at a lot of people's career, the tortoise and the hair. The hair just runs circle, wham, wham, wham. Mm -hmm. That tortoise is just going, boom, one step at a time. One step at a time. He's enjoying it. He's not mocking anybody. And he's just enjoying it. And eventually, he's going to cross the finish line. And you never know when that's going to happen. But you got to be in the game. I love that so much, that you have to be in the game. Because otherwise, you can't win. And I think that, you know, people also take too much time paying attention to too many people's material successes and think that yeah. that's what success looks like. When, in fact, right, yeah, we're all inside right now. Sure, you could be inside your mansion and that's where you're quarantining or you could be quarantined in your apartment or you may not even be blessed enough to have a space to be quarantining in. But I think what this shows you is that anything could be taken away at one at and not any only time. That, but like you say, like, you know what? Being quarantined in a mansion in a small spot or whatever, it don't make no difference if you ain't got the love around you. That 20,000 square foot could just be as empty as anything. You know, and one of the things that I, you know, and people always say, they, the question is, like, me, because I'm, I'm a microphone fan. I do thousands and thousands of shows. It's like this. Oh, my God. It's got to be tough for you not to do live performances. I know it's got to be driving you crazy. And it would normally drive me crazy. But I haven't really thought about it as much because I get more time with my son. Yeah. You know, 
Like it's like because you're not I, on the road, right? You would have you, you would think, yeah. I'm giving up that time, and I'm like, just what's taking up that time? What's taking up me doing media in the city to promote a show in the morning? Him. What's taking up my time with my road dogs going to dinner? Him. You know what I'm saying? So like, it hasn't really affected me. My sanity like that. I, I knew it's probably going to at some point. Like, damn it, I need to get on stage. But right now, the trade off is well worth it for me. Are you enjoying podcasting? You said that you were. I love either, it. You I love, love it. it. What's different about other than like you know you can do it in your pajamas, which I assume you can do stand up in too, depending on what kind of comedy well, you're, about it the most, you are. <laughs> what I love about the most. Yeah is that I'm 1,000% in control of the show. Mm. I don't have to answer to anybody. It's just another platform for me to get out all the things I like to do. And when I first started doing this podcast, I, you know, I was nervous about it because I didn't know how comfortable I would be being able to talk to myself because I, like, I hate to ask people, could you be on my show? So I said, maybe my podcast will be of the design that it's a rant, it's just me. I was yeah. nervous, I was super nervous. And I got inspired one night, cause I was sitting with my son, we were just eating meatballs and spaghettis or something, right? And I just said, yo, I wanna do a podcast. I said, but I'm nervous. And my son, he was three and a half at the time. My son said, daddy, I'm nervous too. I'm like, why are you nervous? He said, I'm nervous because you nervous. And then Aww. I said, and then I said, what do we do when we nervous? He looked at me, he said, Daddy, we don't quit. <gasps> and that, it felt like something hit me, like if this little dude, you know what I mean? Like, That's if he so could say odd. something like that, you're absolutely right. We don't quit. The thing that I like about the podcast now is from the beginning to where I'm at right now. And I, and I never lied to my audience. I always kept it real. I was like, this is going to be a learning for me. It's all new to me. It's going to be some good shows. It's going to be some bad shows. It's going to be some microphone malfunctions, camera, sound, everything. I say, but well, one thing you will get from me is like every week the show will evolve some kind of way. Whether it's lighting, whether it's a new mic or something, it's going mm -hmm. to grow. It's never going to go backwards. And since I started from, you know, like zero to 30,000 subscribers and I look at my analyticals and this is not a bragging point or anything, but it's all going up. You know, and now with the time that I have because of this pandemic and everything, I'm like, I'm putting my foot into it. And people are starting to take notice to it. Like where people were really, really critical of a lot of things at the beginning, they starting to say, well, he's found his groove. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is much better. But at the end of the day, it's the Donnell Rollins show. Right. It's you yours. Know? And you can make it it's, what it's, you, you can make it what you want. And that's what I'm doing. Like I did Joe Rogan's podcast some time ago. And um, it was almost as if I was predicting this happening. You know, I used to, I was telling him, I'm sick of being on the road. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to be home more, whatever. I got I, Hollywood. Don't really, I don't do a lot of acting. Here we go. I got to play the Hollywood game again. And he was all matter of fact. He was like, just start a podcast. And I was like, nigga, man, nobody, nobody, nobody making no money off the goddamn podcast. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. All of the white, <laughs> no white boys knew this was coming. No white boys knew this was coming. And, and it's so funny. The podcast dudes, they not stressing. They're like, they caking up off of just talking on his mic and hitting play. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what it is, too, about what it is that you said to your audience and why it continues to grow? It's about the authenticity of it, right? Like, you, know what, you got what, up there and you were perpetrating. You were on some, oh, let me, you know, make this something that it's not or on some fraud shit. People see that. They see it clearer because it's, it's you and a mic. 
And let me tell you something. The first attempt at doing the podcast, you said some fraud shit. Let me tell you something. I was trying to do everybody who ever did a podcast in one podcast. I had a piece. <laughs> I was like... Every, I was like this, I could be Joe Rogan-ish, I could be Chris D'Elia-ish, do a little Adam Carolla. I was going to be every motherfucker in one podcast, right? I tried to do it. I didn't have a guess. It was just me. I quit that first podcast in eight minutes. <laughs> I did like this. I'm up there by myself. I'm like this. Yeah. Because I started looping. I was like, I did like that. I said, man, I ain't doing this shit, right? I walk off. My producer's like, what are you doing? I said, I quit. He's like, you can't just quit. <laughs> I was like, whose podcast is? He said, it's yours. I said, how the fuck I can't quit? I said, I quit. And before I quit, I fire you for trying to tell me I can't quit. <laughs> he was like, Donnell, I wasn't getting paid. I was like, well, you still fired. You still fired. You still don't show up. Yeah. And I started it. And like, they tell you, you know, like you, you said, it's being authentic and it's your voice. I remember one particular uh, podcast I did with Joe Rogan. I thought this was the dopest podcast ever, right? It was uh, me, and I crashed the Rizzo's podcast with him. And uh, at the end of the podcast, I was like, man, that shit was fire. Joe, this was before Corona. We hugged each other. I think we even, we breathed in each other's face. We was breathing <laughs> each other's face. You were real, living we on was, the edge. <laughs> yeah, we was living on the edge. We shook hands. We got, We did this. <laughs> you know, nowadays, they'd be like, what is this dude? He's an assassin. And then... <laughs> Because I use it, for the most part, on the social media platforms, people are pretty nice to me. You know, mm -hmm. like, they don't drag me a lot. Every once in a while, I get into something. So I was leaving, and I embraced Joe, and he was so excited about it. And then um, he said, Donnell, oh, I came back. He gave me another hug. Double Corona, right? Double I Corona. Back. He double Rona. He double Rona. My heart belongs to the Rona. So <laughs> he doubled up. And this time, he said, oh, yeah, Donnell, whatever you do, don't read the comments. Uh-oh. I was like this. That's for you. I, I, I said, I got too much love. You know what I did? I read every, I don't know if I knew exactly number. It was like, I think I read 2,792, right? No, you <laughs> but did I not. Down. I went through every one. It started off sweet. That's how they caught me. I was like, oh, they love me. Then I was like, they started saying stuff like, this is so cringe. They was like, unlistenable unbearable they was like this and then these assholes these trolls so gangster they didn't want everybody else to listen to it they would say i wanted to kill myself at 1738 they put the timeline you know they put the timeline god damn so, oh yeah they was going but they made me mad because i'm like i will listen to a certain extent you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. some shit that i'm just i'm like whatever but sometimes you know with that trolling Somebody could be making a good point, but it, my thing is like, we ain't gotta be nasty about it. Yeah, okay, you don't have to be an asshole, but yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, something like, yo, shut the fuck up could be a, you know, let the conversation sell, you know what I mean? Like, sure. work on listening that, but you know, they get nasty and I was like, I was getting nasty back and I was like, man, don't do that. Just keep doing what you're doing and I'm starting to see less hate. You always wanna get that one person or two. Yeah, no. and as, you know, my favorite inspirational speaker, Brene Brown says like, what does she say? If you're not in the arena, then essentially shut the fuck up. Like exactly. if, you're not, if you're not willing to suit up and to like do the hard work and actually be out there, if it's trying to make people laugh, if it's trying to inform people, if it's trying to entertain folks, <laughs> like if you're not doing the work, then you don't get to critique the work. Right, you exactly. You don't, you don't make life as a critic. There's only a handful of motherfuckers that do that. So. And then if you are <laughs> doing the work, then that means you should learn how to respect it. 
Correct. You know what I mean? You're respected if you're doing it. You know, like comedy, you know, everybody wants to be a heckler from the table. That's just how I started. All right, you're funny from your seat, unannounced, no, and it's not your profession. All right, you won, you're an asshole. Now come up here and do what I do. Shut me up. Yeah. You really want to shut me up, you know? I think that that would, that would probably be the best thing to ever do to a heckler, is be like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. oh okay. You want, you want the stage, you want the time, let me sit down. Come switch spots with me. You get a better view from here. Yeah, but you can, but you better be careful because every once in a while, it's that one motherfucker that was ready for that. <laughs> and that's how it was. That's how it was for me. They told me, they tried to get me to quit the heckler. They said, yeah, you so funny, go on stage. First time I went up there, I caught a standing ovation. It was not looking back after that. It was like fire. I hit that shit. I was like, I bet y'all won't dare me no more. Oh. And then I never looked back. Yeah, nice. I'm a one of a few. Some people that chose, some people just like, they just needed that opportunity, that push. And for me, in the case of my career, that's what it was. That's amazing. So, Danielle, the last question that I always ask people on PM Mood, and I think that for you, the question is a little bit different, but the question is, how do you get in the PM Mood to change the world? But I would say for you, it's like, how do you get yourself in the mood, given the haters, the hecklers, this trying time of innovating out of disaster? How are you getting in the mood to do the work, to make people laugh, to bring some joy, some Well, I'm inspired by something different now. That's my son. You know what I mean? Like, I get in the mood because I don't just look at what I need in life. I look at his future. I look at what's going to make him a better person, what's going to support him and his growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you reframe that question for me as a comedian. But what am I personally going to do to change the world? Yeah. The way I'm going to do it is start with him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't save the world. You go crazy. You try to save everybody, one person, one person, one person at a time. And my idea of changing the world it's changing the way of thinking, changing the way of living. And I got to exercise that through my son. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I want to make everybody else happy. I ain't got to. Yeah. I want to please everybody. No. I don't have to. I don't owe anybody a motherfucking thing but him. Mm. And that's what I live for. And that's how I'm going to change the world by the values and everything I still into my son. That's my strategy. Well, we already know that he's not a quitter and he knows never to quit. No, not so, at all. So he's already on his path and you've already set the stage for that. So that's amazing. Yep. Yes. Thank you so much for joining PM Mood. This has been such a pleasure. Can I say I, one thing? Yes. Please. I know if you're talking about my podcast, The Donna Rollins Show, I'm putting a disclaimer out there right now. I say what I want in the tone, in the voice, and in the language that I use. So if you're sensitive to language or real stuff, you might not want to check out the Daniel Rawlins show. It's real, it's raw, it's uncut, and it's all me. I love it. And if they listen to me, then that's the only thing they're ever looking forward to. It's no, real, fuck it, y'all motherfuckers keep it real, motherfucker. <laughs> fuck check out my goddamn podcast. I'm trying to get paid. I'm broke, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much you're amazing right. this is incredible right, thank you, thank you. Okay, folks this is the last week you can get my daily political talk show woke af daily in your pm mood feed for free 
Starting next week, Woke AF Daily will be moving to Patreon for a very, very low price of $5, which is $2 less, folks, than you were paying at DNR Studios. But you will still get PM Mood every week absolutely free. Follow me at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S on Twitter to keep up with me. And as always, get and stay in the PM Mood to change the world. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.